sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Welcome, everybody, to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design and the District of Dinah. I'm your host, Gregory Rich. Tonight's theme, Serious Interior Design Theory. My guest is Deb Garvin, Principal at First Impressions Design. Deb, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. We're excited to have you, and we have some interesting things to discuss. Coctology this evening is being provided by Habitation's own Carl Peltier. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right. We are going to get right into the drinking before we start anything else. So why don't you take us away and tell us what we'll be enjoying. All right. Today we are making an Amalfi Affair, which is a gin-based drink. Um, you have equal parts uh, Tanqueray gin. And Tanqueray, of course, is my house brand. Yes. And you know what's weird about Tanqueray? People don't realize it's a Q. People always come in and they say Tanqueray with a G. Tanqueray, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and then another equal part of Campari. Which is again a uh, kind of bitter Italian liqueur. Thank you for that. And then we have uh, Dolin Vermouth and we have the Rouge. So a sweet vermouth. And by the way, folks, vermouth is not expensive. It's rare that you spend more than 20, 30 bucks on a vermouth at most. So don't go in and buy the Rossi $6.99 bottle. Splurge a little bit and you will appreciate it. Add some ice to my shaker. The radio sound fabulous. I have my rocks glasses here with some ice in it. And there it is. And then you garnish with a orange peel on the rim. Once again, keeping scurvy at bay. <laughs> Looks refreshing. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Now, interestingly, Carl, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook during our recording, Carl pre-made a couple just to uh, have everybody prepped. And it's amazing. You can see the difference in the color once it settles after the shaking. Oh, wow. There you can. Right? So, there it is. The Amalfi Coast Equal Parts Campari Gin and Sweet Vermouth. Don't forget our, uh, our swallowing music when you have that <laughs> opportunity, Brett. Otherwise, let's give it a try. Cheers. Ooh. It's really good. Light. That is really light and refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Perfect the, for summer. Wow. Hence the Amalfi Coast, the Amalfi Affair. Yeah, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. That's a dangerous drink right there. Next one, we're gonna. Next one, we're gonna try a little bit of salt in it as well. See if Ooh. we can liven it up a bit. Okay. Do you, Deb? Are you familiar with the joys of the salt atomizer? No. Okay. They sell these now at Total Wine. I used to use them before they sold them there. The little tiny atomizers that you use. Put in some salt, make a saline solution, and some water. Shake the hell out of it. And if you spray a little bit in every cocktail, it seriously levels everything up. Huh. A little salt's always good for flavor. 
right? Exactly. See, I've always loved how sweet and salt work together. So. Mm -hmm. As yep. do I. Yeah, as do I. You know, we actually have a, a sea salt candy bar that I discovered in my credenza there. Mm -hmm. Didn't we have the other day? Sweets hidden all over here. I know, it's weird for a guy who doesn't do sweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. what can you do? All right, well, we all give the Amalfi, Co the Amalfi Affair big thumbs up. Big thumbs oh, up. Yeah. Delish Absolutely. and tasty. All right, and once again, folks, don't forget, LinkedIn, the District Edina, we do post the cocktail on Fridays so you can cruise into the weekend knowing what you enjoy. All right, so next segment, let's go into the totally random, fairly random, totally random question this week. Are you prepared, Deb? Uh, somewhat. <laughs> All right, here we go. What is an appropriate recipe for happiness? Okay. Well, I've given this some thought, and I think obviously one of the main parts of the recipe would be connections to people. Um, connections to your spouse or partner, connections to family, to friends. I think we all need that um, love and support in our lives. Uh, second ingredient for me is just the sense that there's, um, you're part of a greater connection in this world. Um, sometimes people see that as spiritual, but there's other ways of looking at it. And, you know, I think it just helps ground us and maybe keep us from being too me-centered mm -hmm. if we see ourselves as a, a smaller part of a much larger picture. Mm -hmm. um, another one would be having purpose in our lives mm -hmm. and feeling like we're here to help other people and um, maybe solve some of their problems if we can. And, um, you know, it just gives me, I guess, a, a lot of emotional gratification if I feel like I have that purpose and I successfully fulfill it and helping my clients. I absolutely, I mean, that is, I think, a solid general recipe. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of the things, one of the things I always used to tell my kids when they were young was that happiness is a choice. And, you know, again, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. And in order to have that type of, a, a, of an understanding, I think you do need to have a connection to other people. But here's my question for you, if I may. Whenever your happiness is dependent on others, it can disappear, it can be taken yes. away. So Buddhists might say that a key to happiness is internal rather than external, which is what you're talking about. Do you yes. think that's... Yeah, I think that's legit. Um, I, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think having that attitude, um, you know, how are you looking at things? Because life's going to throw all kinds of things at you. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to have something within yourself to say, no matter what it throws at me, it's, you know, it's all in your attitude, I think. Yeah. And if you have that ability to be thankful and look at all the positives that you can, find the joy where you can, and, uh, you know, I guess one of the things I think of is that famous quote from Abraham Lincoln where he said, you know, folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. There it is. Great quote. Yeah. It is. It is. Although there's also the argument of the hedonistic adaptation point. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's, so scientists, uh, researchers, I guess, argue at this point that everyone has what's called a hedonistic adaptation point, which is basically how happy you're going to be. And no matter whether you win the lottery or your significant other passes away, ultimately, that's a bleep, a blip on, on the scale. You will always return to your hedonistic adaptation point, which 
is, is like one of the most disheartening things I have ever heard. I mean, <laughs> right? I have not heard so that. So does that mean like it's what's inborn? I mean, you have that, like it's part of well, your nature. And I, I think there's something to that too. I know people who are very pessimistic and people who are very optimistic mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the time to the time they, they grow old and die. And yeah. so there's, I know that's legit. I think you can train yourself somewhat if you're aware of that, but it's the fundamental yeah. question. Can you actually adjust your hedonistic adaptation point? There's <laughs> the police. They're coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> just very tame police. Yes. Beef yes. instead of sirens. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that is the fundamental question of whether you can change your level of happiness or whether it is absolutely born. And, you know, even if you say my happiness, my hedonistic adaptation point was set as a very young child, that implies some ability to affect it. But if it is literally just a matter of you were born to be this happy, well, then everything is basically a a general waste of effort. (laughs) It could be spent drinking, I would think. (laughs) Yeah. All right, right. we should take a quick break uh, on this and uh, run an ad or two. You're listening to Drink in the Style. I'm Gregory Rich. I'm going to be back with Deb Garvin in just a moment or two. The skies all seem gray, yeah, when you're sober. Life's a pain. Welcome back to Drink in the Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and my guest is the lovely Deb Garvin from First Impressions Designs. So, Deb, let's jump right into it. One of the things that you are known for is literally transforming a house. How? Where do you start? Well, I always start with a questionnaire because it's all about the homeowner. It's not about me. A written questionnaire. Uh, yeah, they, they actually can fill it right out online if they want, or I ask them questions if we're meeting face-to-face. And, um, you know, I'm just asking them, first of all, you know, how do you want your room or spaces to function? Because that's the important thing. If a space isn't functioning well, there's just going to be frustration. True. Um, and secondly, I ask them questions, you know, about what their preferences are when it comes to style, color, um, who's going to be using the space. Because if there's kids and pets involved, that's going to affect the finishes that we choose. And, you know, just a whole variety of questions. Um, I ask them to share inspiration photos with me so I can get a good idea of what they're attracted to. And we go from there. Um, so now when it comes to function, I create a diagram of the space that's going to include all the features of the room. You know, if there's a fireplace, if there's patio doors, windows, um, walkways, doorways, we have to be aware of all of those things. And then I create furniture set up in there and I might show them a few different options. Um, maybe they've got some existing pieces that they want to use and we can check to see, are those going to fit? Are they not going to fit? And we can come up with an arrangement that works for them. They can approve that and we can move on from there. Um, it, yeah. That, I mean, you have to start at, at, at a certain level and understand, especially if you're yeah. transferring, because you brought up two things that I think are, well, several things, but two primary things that kind of cross my mind, which is one, pets. People <laughs> don't understand the importance of pets. And Carl, 
we've talked about this a million times. Mm -hmm. If you have a dog that's jumping up on a sofa, yep. that is going to affect the cover on that mm -hmm. sofa, correct? Oh, completely, 100%. Leather, maybe not such a good idea. Right. <laughs> and cats. Yep. Got any tricks <laughs> to handle cats? Um, I don't. I'm allergic to cats, so I have no personal experience with cats, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> totally understand. The more textured the fabric, the more they're going to want to scratch Yeah. It. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. Interesting point. Yep. Anything that they can get their claw in and pull, yeah. not, not great. Cats, there's no way to work around cats. Cats will always win, no yeah. matter what happens. Teach them young. What's that? You gotta just teach them young. Shake them vigorously when they do well, something I don't wrong. know about that, but... <laughs> My cat not, knew not to scratch any of my furniture, my rugs, and do not mess with my plants. We're talking about Finn? Yes. Little Finn? Yes. Carl has the funniest story, if I may say so, about Finn, and I hope you don't mind me sharing no, this, no. but Finn was his cat, and Finn was kind of an asshole, wasn't he? <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, I mean, he's a cat. He's a cat. Yeah. He was never mean to anybody, no. but... but he had attitudes. Yeah. They like to do that. Mm -hmm. So when dear Finn passed away, Carl had to take him, of course, to the vet. And this is the hazards of excessive automation. The next day... The next day, actually the vet came to us when we had to put him down, which was very sweet. Um, and the next day, I'm sitting in the bathtub, relaxing, took the day off. I get a text message from the vet's office that says, Hey, do we want just to see how Finn was doing after his last appointment? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody like, forgot to... Oh, yeah. yeah. Within a minute, they called me and were like, I am mortified right now. Like, I just saw this auto message go out. Like, I'm so sorry. And I go, honestly, you just got to find the humor in that. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's fine. That's that attitude. Yep. Yeah. It's the right thing. Mm -hmm. Although, quite honestly, I'm not sure you found the humor in it right away based <laughs> yeah. on your attitude when you came in. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Understandable. The other thing you mentioned, though, is when you're creating the space, there are pieces that people are going to want to hold in many cases. Not always. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a complete mm -hmm. out with the old and right. with the new. So what do you do? So if you have, let's say someone is desperately hoping to hold on to grandma, grandma's, you know, French leg chair mm -hmm. or something like that, how do you approach it? Uh, sometimes there's a lot of hand-holding and you have to understand that there's genuine emotion attached to those pieces. And you have to be sympathetic to that. But at the same time, I think sometimes people are looking for permission to let go of things. Oh, interesting. So, you know, if it works in the space, that's great. We can make it work. Sometimes we can change the finish, change the upholstery if we want to integrate it into a new design scheme and keep it. Um, if it's not going to work, I'm very honest with people and I tell them, this is just not going to work and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to end up resenting that piece rather than appreciating it. And is that something that your grandmother would have wanted you to do? Okay, um, brilliant. Would you really want to, you know, would you rather pass it on to somebody who can use it and will appreciate it? knowing that you used it you know for many many years and and it served its time it served its purpose for you and now it's time to pay it forward just like your grandma passed it on to you so just think of those things and that grandma wouldn't have wanted this to be some kind of anchor around your neck you know she so wanted it to help you so what you're saying is all right mm -hmm. i love this chair mm -hmm. it's wing back mm -hmm. it was so awesome in 1953 right um but its time has come and gone. Yes. It needs to move to a different area. Have you ever actually been able to integrate a few pieces? I have. I have. Mm -hmm. um, I had one client who had, it was a dining table that his parents had. Um, the kids, you know, kind of grew up around this table. And it fit in the space very well. Size and the style was kind of an older, you know, kind of a 
uh, a more dated style and it was a cherry finish which didn't work with the other things so what we did is we just had it refinished um, in a carbon stain because mm -hmm. we were integrating some black and white and the thing looked amazing and the chairs we had those reupholstered the seats reupholstered in this oh, beautiful brilliant. fabric and it looked like a totally different piece it didn't look the same but it was the same piece so if it must be in the space you yeah. find a way you find to a make way. it work yeah. it do you happen to know carter averbeck i do not know carter that. owns home form and he's been a guest on the show before and he's actually doing some chairs for our outdoor conference room mm. at the district he has this amazing thing where he like he dips vintage chairs into rubber and turns it into outdoor furniture. Oh my goodness. I know. That's it's amazing. Awesome. Who would even think of that? I know, right? <laughs> Carter. Um, but he also does kind of reclamation of older furniture where he does do the final finish and the reupholstering and he turns these kind of stayed boring pieces into this insanely awesome stuff. Yeah. But that's basically what you're talking about. Yes, transformation. It makes all the sense in the world. What, I mean, so speaking of that though, so what do you think that timeline what is the lifespan of a given interior design program and the pieces in it well I know that studies have shown that people kind of start to get tired of things after eight to ten years that's why design trends tend to last eight to ten years and it's not because the design gurus somewhere decide oh we're gonna change <laughs> things up so people have to buy all new stuff it's really because people start searching for new things because they just get tired of the old look so that's about Eight extent. to ten years mm -hmm. is the human extent of, of appreciation pretty much, for your aesthetics. Pretty much. Do you yeah. think you can move things around yes. to achieve it? Or? Yes. You can freshen things up. You can move pieces in and out. Maybe something moves to a different room and another piece comes in. Or just um, changing you know, the, the arrangement of things can make a difference. You can zhush it up with different pillows, accessories and things too. That can make something that's you know, especially rather, you know, plain and clean lines, um, which is actually kind of a good idea to have for furniture. Mm -hmm. um, because you can attach your trends to the things that are more easily changed, like your artwork, your accessories, and all those things. So, And artwork is so mm -hmm. underrated it in is. terms of, of refreshing a room. Yes. All right. We should take one uh, additional break. Oh, I've got a few more breaks to go through. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about maybe right-sizing slash downsizing mm -hmm. in interior design. Gregory Rich, chattering at you from drinking the style. Go fix yourself a new cocktail. Meet us back here in a moment or two. That a kick in the head. The room was completely black. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Welcome back to Drink in the Style, airing Saturdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 5 p.m. on AM 950 here in the Minneapolis area, where hopefully you're listening to us. But if you are listening to us from a remote location, go on to AM 950 Radio and you can stream the show as it's uh, being pre uh, presented live. All right, we're speaking with Deb Garvin from First Impressions Interior Design. Now, all right, Deb, both you and Habitation kind of share a certain space or a certain niche that we're both very good at, which is the downsizing, and I just made air quotes, or preferable term of 
right sizing, right sizing for your lifestyle, right. um, which is an interesting thing to do. How do you approach this type of a project? Well, sometimes there's a sense of loss, I think, when people are downsizing or right-sizing. I think that a lot of times they've been in a home that they may have been in for decades. They raised their family there. They've got so many wonderful memories there. And it feels like they're losing something. There's some grief involved with it. And, you know, it's just important to remind them that, you know, your memories are not in the walls of mm -hmm. that home. Mm -hmm. Your memories you carry with you wherever you go. And to know that that home is going to be loved and appreciated by the next owner because you're moving on to a place that's better suited to you. And you will no longer have the care of this much larger home or the, the lawn, the yard, you know, the uh, Look at the landscaping, positive the positives. of right sizing. And yeah, I think a lot of people have said their only regret when they were all done with the process was that they didn't do it sooner because they didn't realize what a weight that was on their shoulders until they got out of it and realized that care of that larger home was, you know, taking up a lot of their time and energy. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is It is one of those things. You look back yeah. and suddenly you understand. But in the moment, it's next to impossible to right. truly envision a change, especially after you've been in a home for years and years. Yeah. It kind of goes back to our, our, you know, original discussion of happiness overall. You assume that your happiness is associated with the walls and those are the memories and those are the things. And there's validity to that to a great extent. But the truth is that you constantly have to move forward. And if your kids are, are gone, why would you want to amble through a, a 4,000, 5,000 square foot Plymouth house? Right. Because you're going to take that with you mm -hmm. overall. So basically what you're saying is, I mean, Carl, we've always talked about as a designer, you're always a marriage counselor. <laughs> but now you're a retirement counselor. Yes, yes there is something to that. Yes. There is. There absolutely is. The other thing that, that comes to mind on that is how often, I'm just curious, how often do your clients wind up renting a self-storage unit or something for the PCs? I know this one hit you, didn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And, um, you know, I would say maybe half the time. Um, usually what I recommend is that they work with a professional organizer. I usually team up with one, uh, Michelle Dudley of Raystone Organization. And if they're smart, they're planning way in advance. You know, some people start not only months, but years in advance because they realize it's going to take some time to get rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if people don't have that advanced planning, sometimes that's difficult to do because it takes effort to get rid of stuff. And so they say, well, we'll just move it into storage. Yeah. And then it languishes there and mm -hmm. they're paying. 200 dollars right and you endlessly yeah yeah so i do remind people i said just think about that before you decide to move things into storage or even think of that as an option because think of the years and the money and is it really worth it, it because again frankly people associate their personalities with their goods with yeah. the things that they own yes and the fact is look your kids are not going to want that that so that true chair so true you it, it does you absolutely no good but it is a difficult psychological break it is it is difficult mm -hmm. and that's why i think it needs having a third party like me or sometimes you know the, the professional organizer sometimes the realtor <laughs> who says yeah i've seen this before <laughs> um to say and to almost like i said give them permission and just to say we understand this this is normal to feel this way but here are some things to consider um, let's look at it from a different perspective and mm -hmm. 
hopefully yeah. control people into understanding yeah. that goods are goods. Goods are goods. Right. It's only worth the happiness that it creates in the moment right. around you. Right. But there is, it does create a storage issue. Yes, it does. Because, again, any of us who are used to having a full, large, multi-bedroom house mm-hmm. expect to have storage, and now you're moving into a condominium or a smaller space. Right. How do you address that? You know, there's a lot of things that are going to be missing in a townhome or a condo. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them don't have a front hall closet, for example. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out, how are we going to manage this? Uh, my daughter moved into a townhome about a year ago. And again, no front hall closet, and she has lots of shoes. So we got this handy-dandy little shoe cabinet from Ikea that has... It holds 22 pairs of shoes, for goodness sake. It's Isn't only like tips out. Yeah, and you it's can, only like eight inches deep. <laughs> yeah. And it slides against the wall, tight against the wall. We put a nice little mirror above it, decorated it. There's a little drawer on top. And it's the best thing since sliced bread. And you've got to find <laughs> multifunctional pieces like that that are going to work in your space and solve your problems. Storage old ottomans, for yep. example. Storage ottomans, yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes maybe you will have the grandkids over and maybe you'll have a sofa sleeper and you got that storage ottoman. You can keep the pillows, blankets, um, sheets in there. But, you know, always be thinking of that. What are some opportunities for storage if I'm buying some new pieces? And it's another benefit of working with a designer such as yourself or habitation or what have you is we know we can get the. If you're going out and you're simply going to Schneiderman's or Hom Furniture, and it is Hom, no amount of marketing can change my opinion on that. It's H O M. They don't even have the little line <laughs> over the O. It is Hom. Guarantee it. But if you're going out to those spaces, you're not going to be thinking about true lifestyle. And that's right. what we're talking about yes. today. Yes, exactly. You have to consider, how do I want to live in this space? Mm-hmm. And what am I going to need? And that's something where your designer, in conjunction with your um, professional organizer, we start to ask people those questions. And they have to start thinking about them and considering them. Because a lot of times they don't no. until we ask them. How can you? I mean, again, I mean, I've always said experience gives you the ability to see the future. People don't have this. They've never downsized. They've never moved to this space. But we've seen it time and time again. So we can anticipate the issues that they're going to be facing. Do you have a Do you have a sheet or anything to uh, work on that, or do you generally just? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've known you for a little bit of time yeah. right now, and I've already figured out that you are a documentation person. I am a documentation person. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps it me organize my disorganized brain because I have a creative mm. brain, so I need that kind of stuff to ground me. So I don't, you know. Once you've trained yourself, yes, to address how you you interact. Exactly. exactly. What about what about the question of of. of the new post-COVID era. So before COVID, we were talking constantly about right-sizing. Right. And now, suddenly, to some extent, there has been a U-turn in people's perspective. Are you seeing that? There is, and it's because of the costs. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I mean, because of the skyrocketing costs of everything, mm-hmm. Uh, to buy something smaller than what you've got, you're going to pay more. You know, in the old days, if you were downsizing or right-sizing, you are going to be paying far less than the house that you were in. You know, so you are going to be money ahead. But now, um, a lot of people are saying, well, this is going to set me back financially. It's not going to help me at all, so I'm going to stay put. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, some of my design clients are those very people who said, you know, we're going to update and refresh this big house that we don't really need because it's not making sense 
to downsize right now because of the financing. It's a catch-22. It is. I mean, it really is. I mean, and, and people talk about it. I mean, to, to a great extent, you feel that you're going to maximize on your sale, right. but then you've got to pay premium price. Right. But since everything is relative, if you're maximizing on your sale, you should be willing to pay more on the, on the entry side. And what people are worried about is, of course, the diminishment in the value of their property. Right. But conversely, if you stay in the same space... Well, that is also going to diminish in right. value. It is. It's a catch-22, and, and I think people are really caught in the middle and really don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's a hard Plus, one. within Minneapolis, I mean, people are so reticent to move into the city and do condos, which is where the majority of right-sizing couples that we've worked with, yeah. at least, mm-hmm. have found themselves going. So, I mean, it's a strange situation. Hopefully that'll change in the coming years. I hope so, because that was a very vital downtown, and hopefully it will be again. It will, eventually. Yeah, I mean, it goes hopefully sooner soon. than later. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. I had, uh, Carl knows this story. I had, my wife, by the way, Christina, who mercifully doesn't listen to the podcast, um, who is ferociously sharp. Is that a good good, good yeah, one? Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe her. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, help me. Um, <laughs> so the other uh, a few weeks ago there's this particular condominium downtown that i am in love with i don't understand why it just something about the pictures just resonate with me however it's massively overpriced and blah 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 nevertheless i love it so at one point i called my wife and i said um christina i feel restless i'm tired of living in the suburbs and i'm tired of wyzetta in a general sense either we need to go look at this condo downtown or I need to have an affair. <laughs> my wife, it's like the ultimatum there. <laughs> right? Exactly. Christina didn't miss a beat, though. She hits me back with, why choose? Go have an affair and then get your condo downtown. <laughs> I love this woman already. Oh, she's absolutely amazing. 30 years we've been married, and no, I've never had maybe like three good solid uh, shots I've gotten in on her. But that's about it. All right. We should take a quick break as we are sliding into our final segment. This said, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us as a podcast, and I've never really pushed this before, Do me a giant favor, would you? Go on to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Um, It helps kind of spread the show and the the experience and helps us uh, be more impactful. Does that sound right? Yeah. Excellent. All right. This is Drink in the Style. We'll be back in a moment. I don't know why I just do. Start to play, dance with me, make me sway like a lazy ocean hugs the shore. Hold Welcome back to Drink in the sway. Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich. We're speaking with Deb Garvin from First Impressions Design. Bunch of different things that we have covered overall, but we want to talk about one thing that you are doing a hell of a lot with, which is biophilic design. Right. Tell me what that means. Well, what that refers to is really bringing the outdoors in. Mm. Um, And it can um, apply to the aesthetic. So you're bringing the colors of the outdoors in, the blues and the greens. 
Um, but you're also bringing in the textures of the outdoors, like the wood texture, the stone texture, you know, anything that makes it feel like you're bringing the outdoors in. And when you think about it, you know, a couple of years ago, we all went into lockdown. Mm -hmm. And where could we escape? To the outdoors. Mm -hmm. That was a safe place to be. And scientific studies have shown that being in the outdoors, uh, communing with nature, it actually improves our, our sense of well-being, um, lowers our heart rates, lowers our stress levels. It um, increases serotonin. Increases the serotonin. Mm -hmm. All of those things happen. Mm -hmm. And so people started feeling those effects, especially at such a stressful time. And they said, you know what? I want to feel this in my home now. And so a lot of people, I guess, started searching online for what do we do to bring the outdoors in? And the design gurus pay attention mm -hmm. yep. to, to mm -hmm. those Google searches, you know, those mm -hmm. Pinterest searches, whatever people are looking for. So I don't think it was any coincidence at all that all the paint companies chose some shade of green as mm -hmm. their color of the year for 2022. Yep. Yep. Which is a fascinating yeah. aspect, and it's and it's true. I mean, so we talked about you know ancient Rome, my classical history training, which people may or may not know about. By the way, the light is red. Um, totally sidestep. Um, but you know, ancient Roman houses often were built as squares with an empty hole in the middle. You had basically hallways on all four sides, and then you could commune with a certain amount of nature in between. I mean, what types of things have you done to try to create that interior, exterior feel? Okay, well, a lot of times it comes down to finishes. Um, and even just bringing it in and accessories can do it. You can mm -hmm. bring in those colors with your pillows, but bringing in those textures, like I'm looking at your office here and look at these um, coffee tables here with the, the wood. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times people bring in stone texture too. You know, it might even be on something as simple as a coaster that, that looks like stone. Um, the LVP or LVT flooring right now, mm -hmm. it may not be wood, but it looks like wood mm -hmm. or it looks like real stone. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the real thing, but it just has to look like it. So any kind of exterior or any kind of, of natural elements you can bring in, artificial, otherwise just something yeah. to give the sense. Yes. Right. Yes. And plants nowadays, you know, the faux plants look really good. I mean, if you can bring in a mix of real and faux, because real plants can help clean the air. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, another benefit, I guess. But um, if you don't have that green thumb, you can still bring those artificial plants in and have that look. And they found that even looking at pictures of nature, you know, landscapes, seascapes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they have the same effect on people. It's a great point. Yeah. And, and you certainly do. I mean, even, so strangely enough, I mean, it's silly, but I changed the background on my phone to basically a nature escape. And it does, I mean, the, the, the stress level when you're looking at what's happening, whatever ping is occasionally there, your, your blood pressure lowers mm -hmm. when you're in that space. Absolutely. You also mentioned something interesting about colors and paints and things, and I know you have a perspective on that. First of all, what are, are all the dominant colors right now that are being shown basically a form of green? Um, a lot of them are, you know, there's gray greens, olive greens, uh, sea glass greens, teals. I mean, there's just a real variety that has come across. But You're green, seeing a lot of teal coming back? Yeah, you are. The 80s have returned? You are, yeah. <laughs> it's not such a bright teal. Mm -hmm. I think it's a more subdued teal. Really dark. Yeah, dark, rich, deep. In fact, mm -hmm. I painted my dining room such a color, and it's gorgeous. You? It's gorgeous. What color are your window uh, 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 frames? Uh, white. 
they're white. So green and white. Yeah, yeah, and it actually works, uh, but it can work with you know more natural wood tones as well. And that's the beauty of green; kind of works with everything. Yeah. And I think it's it's almost a neutral in and of itself. You wouldn't think of it, but it really goes well with a whole host of colors. And mm -hmm. I think that's maybe why they selected green over blue um, as that color to bring in for 2022. So. Which does make a tremendous amount of sense because people are tired of the grays. They are. Grays tired are of the fabulous. Grays. They were mm -hmm. safe. They were somewhat calming mm -hmm. at the time. Right. But at this point, I mean, what did I say when we were doing the artisan home tour? This is a beautiful time to be alive if you're colorblind. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's true. I mean, you know, I had a couple of clients that, recent ones, that said, yeah, we want to redo things. We want to do this gray and white. And I said, you can absolutely do gray and white, but I'm just going to tell you that that fresh trend is what it was called. Mm -hmm. That gray and white trend is coming to an end and we're mm -hmm. entering a warmer, yep. natural environment trend. Yep. So I said, if you don't want to look back in a couple of years and say, oh my gosh, we just redid the space and now it looks dated. I said, just consider that. Um, yep. And when you're looking for things you know, to, to put in your space, all of those retailers and wholesalers, they're gonna have the new stuff out there. They're not gonna have the old stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. keep that in mind. And well, and it makes so much sense too, given where we live. Yeah, yes. Where three quarters of the year, it's brown <laughs> or white or cold <laughs> or gray, and we need that green, we need that organic, we yes. need it in our lives in the wintertime. My house is like a freaking conservatory in the winter because I bring all of my outdoor plants inside. I literally have to take down my second bedroom and make that a plant room. Mm -hmm. um, but you have a plant room? Yeah, I do have a plant room. <sighs> and yet you still can't keep my plants alive? You just brought that in, so you probably killed it before <laughs> I even got here. So that ain't my fault. He's been pouring his booze in there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But again, with the grays, it's like, why would I want to look outside at a gray winter sky and then yeah. look inside and my entire house is gray? It That's just, a it's really depressing. good point, you know, and, and people were so um, bent on painting everything white. That works great if you're in a coastal city or in mm -hmm, the south, mm -hmm. but when you are in a northern climate like this where we go into that dark, yep. white looks gray and shadowy and kind of institutional looking, chilly. So white is the most dangerous color because it only looks as good as the light that's bouncing off it. So that's just something people need to yep. be aware of. See, that's a fascinating point because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people moving back towards white. I mean, mm -hmm. there was a time when nobody wanted to see white mm -hmm. lines or walls rather. It was, you know, taboo. But now I'm seeing everything being painted white again without any appreciation of our particular environment. Exactly. And just realize that those magazine photos, you know, those photographers have those light canisters in every corner that are oh, yeah. that's bouncing all kinds of light off those walls and it looks beautiful and warm and welcoming, but the reality in your house in Minnesota in the wintertime is going to look very different. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's really, I mean, again, what you're basically saying is that you need a designer who understands the use of color, who understands yes. how these things are going to affect your perspective right. based on where you are. Exactly. Which leads me to a good question. Also e-design. This is something that, that yeah. we've talked about before. Talk about that, okay. please. Well, e-design, you're basically you know, creating your design boards, your mood boards online. Mm -hmm. And so I can do it for people anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. I, I currently have a client in Seattle that we're working on things, and she saw a picture of one of my projects on a house article, and she reached out, and, and we can have conversations right on those design boards. Um, you know, I can create basically a bird's eye view 
a scheme, you know, of a room, and they can spin it, they can zoom in and zoom out, look at it in 3D, and, you know, it just brings it to life for them. I can create also product boards for them. And what I usually tell people is, you know, you can actually click on a button, it'll take you to an online retailer if you want to order that. But what I usually say is, you know, just print out that picture and print out the size specifications, go shop locally. Because you can't tell how, especially a seating piece, you can't tell how it's going to feel. You can't tell what the quality is. You can't no. even tell what the real color is. Exactly. I said, this is just your guideline. And so when you walk in, that's, that sales associate is going to say, how can I help you? And you can say, well, I need something that looks something similar to this in style. These are the sizes I need. What do you have? And they're going to rejoice because the person's walking in knowing what they want and need. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to save you so much time and energy. And when you buy, you can buy it with confidence because you know it's going to fit. So. It's, and you have a professional who is looking at yes, the entire home. The entire thing. I remember back at the old habitation in uh, <coughs> St. Louis Park, um, we, uh, <laughs> we, we were vastly more retail oriented. And one of the things, Carl, you'll remember that we talked about doing was doing the internet uh, vignette of shame, mm -hmm. where we would have, I know, I know, where we would have various pieces that, um, that uh, uh, were bought online with a digital display of what they were supposed to look like in the colors and what they actually look like. Oh. Because it was a constant battle yeah. between. It's a lot like why we're talking about putting in the half chair in the showroom here at the current habitation. The construction difference mm -hmm. between something from a company like Lazar or Caligaris or Younger, yeah, I mean, there's tons. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Versus what you get at your big box stores, which is not just Schneiderman's or Hom, Hom, <laughs> but restoration hardware yeah. and Pottery Barn. These are mass production yeah. pieces yeah. that are not well made. They may look beautiful and they're in a beautiful setting, so you think they're quality, but they aren't necessarily quality, right? Yeah, that's the thing. And you don't know that until you're there in person and checking it out. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Before we uh, start to wind down, Deb, you have to tell us where do we see the work that you've done and how do people get in touch with you? Uh, well, you can check out my website, uh, which is currently undergoing a design renovation because <laughs> that is, that is not my cup of tea. So I pass that on to that expert. But it's uh, www.1stimpressionsdesign.com, no spaces. First impression design. First impressions design Right, with a one ST, not an F I R S T. And I'm on also on LinkedIn and um, Instagram. Instagram, you know, I sadly my Instagram presence is really low. I got to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my age. We Trust all me. do. We all do. Well, Deb, thank you for being yeah. on the show once again for the district, for Deb, for habitation, just everything else. I want to wish everybody good luck this week, and I will finish with a quote because I particularly like this one. It's from of all people, Geronimo. Be selective in your battles. Sometimes peace is better than being right. <laughs> Good night, everybody.